Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together and talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. Moonbelly Mike. Samoan SWAT Team Shane. Welcome to episode 79, Survivor Series 1992. There's a coffin match. There's no tag, official tagline for this show. There's not. There's not. I, I was on the fly. I looked over for the tag and I was like, there's not yeah. one. What it could so, be is... There's a coffin match? What the fuck happened to our lineup? I mean, the coffin match ties into the nickname I gave myself. Yes, it does. I just went for something with S, so... I didn't even catch yours. What was it? Samoan SWAT Team Shane. Oh. That wasn't my original one, but I but forgot it. So they're the headtrackers. <laughs> <laughs> this was the sixth annual Survivor Series produced by the WWF. It would take place on November 25th, 1992 at the Richfield Coliseum in Richfield Township, Ohio, with an attendance of 18,000 people. Dang. And a buy rate of 1.4. I still don't know what a buy rate is. 1.4 people of all the uh, people who bought pay-per-views at that time were buying this one specifically. Yeah. I wonder what the hell else was on pay-per-view that night that only 1.4 signed up. I don't know. I have no idea. No clue. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Yeah. Uh, still coming so we've been election. here in Richfield a few times. It's like the third time Survivor Series has been at this specific location. Ooh. Oh, so this is like Survivor Series. It's like, like the, pl- this the place home, for it. Hometown. Was this where the last one? My first one was... Was this where it was from? No. Okay. Uh, the very first two were in... Oh, okay. Uh, so it's like going back. But so this is like back, yeah. half the time they've spent here but all of the time they've basically been on the cusp of thanksgiving all of them have been on the cusp of thanksgiving yes it's a thanksgiving tradition Mm -hmm. started off what the day of and then it went to like the day before the day after yeah something yeah i mean it changes i know i think the the day changes every year right isn't it always like the third thursday or something like that thanksgiving yeah i don't know yeah that works okay i don't know much about holidays (laughs) This is our first time in Ohio, so I'm. It, since Shane has started his food trip around the world. Yes, yes, feeding us uh, through all 50 states and beyond. So I'm wondering what he's got for us. All 50 states and beyond. I like that. Yes. With the uh, Survivor Series, as we, or I kind of said a second ago, it's like going home for the holidays, back to Ohio, where I guess it all started. Food and holidays go hand in hand, as do Shane and food, if you see me. But do Shane and holidays? They do. Because Shane is usually asked to make foods for holidays, so... If there's a holiday, you're... Most likely I'm going to be there, unless there's a pandemic that's stopping families from getting together. Zoom Thanksgiving? Sounds awful. (laughs) A very Zoom Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler Perry presents a very Zoom Thanksgiving. I like it. (laughs) Uh, but yes, I looked up some Ohio traditional foods and found out the signature sandwich for Ohio is called the Polish Boy. It is a grilled Polish sausage, kielbasa, either some barbecue sauce or hot sauce, 
topped with french fries and coleslaw. And a little crunch, a little sweet, a little spicy, a little salt, and a little, or not even a little, a whole lot of yum. It's messy, but it's delicious as usually is the, the case with messy foods, hopefully. I'd never had a Polish bo Polish boy before. I'd had plenty of Polish dogs in my day, but never dressed up like this because back when I uh, first discovered what the hell a Polish dog was, I was Mr. Basic, so it was you know, bun and mustard if I was lucky. Yeah, this one's good. Uh, again, I went to my friends over at Iron Star and got a couple of things. This one has a jicama slaw on it instead of your t traditional cabbage slaw. So big chunks of sweet jicama, carrots, kind of a sweet sauce. I think there's a little jalapeno and red pepper in it. I used a spicy barbecue sauce because I couldn't decide if I wanted to use barbecue sauce or hot sauce. So if you've got the option Split the for difference. Both, why not? I like the choice. I do as well. As a Polish boy, at least, you know, maybe like a quarter. I don't know. I'm white. The, uh, the real question here is, you said sandwich. This is debated by a lot of people. But is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes. Because this wasn't just a hot dog. This one I mean, is a, it's a tubed meat. A sausage. Yeah, but is it is a... Well, that's is, just like saying is a, any patty a burger. A burger's a sandwich. It is. Yeah. It's, it's meat between I'm glad bread. we're all on the same page. It's the argument that bread. a hot dog is not a sandwich drives me insane. Calzone's a sandwich, too. I'd have to agree. Even though it's... I'm, I'm, all, the, I'm the mulling pie. this one over, and I'm like, the, I think that the the thing that's, that stops me from being like, yes, it is a sandwich, is that the bread is not cooked separately. Whereas like on sandwiches, the bread is cooked separately, and then you make the two things, make the thing, put the thing in between the bread. Like, but with a calzone, the bread is the bread is dough, it turned, and it you know bakes with the thing. The place I worked at in high school... A Hot Pocket's not a sandwich. It's garbage. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes. The place I worked at in high school, yeah, we made our own dough and put the meat and everything inside of it and baked it. It was known as the Runza Sandwich. But, I mean, along the lines of a Hot Pocket, it's just made fresh with actual good stuff instead yeah. of canned yeah. sauce. Yeah, the calzone, you threw me through a loop. I don't know. Yeah, I never would have thought of that as a sandwich, but then once you said it, I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Because I mean, when you eat pizza and you fold it up, is it not a pizza sandwich at that point? It's still it was it's still what it was is to it a begin pizza with. Sandwich or does it's it what it was. It's what it was to begin with. If you fold it, does it become a taco? Perhaps a taco is a Mexican sandwich. Yeah, and they sorry. have Mexican pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I brought no. this up. <laughs> not for long, apparently, because I guess Taco Bell is they're eliminating everything on their menu is. Looking at taking away the Mexican pizza next. So. Mm. All right. Well, it may be gone by the time you hear this. Yeah, they gave me food poisoning. I don't eat there. All right. Anymore. If they make it the same way they've made it for the last ten years, then yeah, get the fuck rid of it because it was good in 1986, but not today. Yeah, I, I refuse to eat their food. How because... the fuck did we go from Polish boy to taco? Well, I, I brought <laughs> Thanks, up the Mike. classic sam the classic sandwich debate. <laughs> How do we get from A to Z anyway? <laughs> we divide by zero, and it all, it all shows up. Like Dusty finished ourselves at the beginning. <laughs> so while they enjoy their Polish boys, their sandwich, yeah. <laughs> a sandwich dog. I'm gonna tell us about something that happened right around the time of Survivor Series. The movie A Few Good Men would be released oh, a I gotta, couple weeks later. I gotta finish this bite because I got a lot of stuff to say about that movie. I have nothing to say about it. 
Well, I need you to tell me the truth. The whole dang truth? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> but I want the truth. All right. Michael, have you never seen A Few Good Men? I know you can't handle the truth. I know it's Tom Cruise. And? Uh, and as my everyone's least favorite character from Twin Peaks in it, right? I'm trying to remember. James Marshall, was not he in it? Oh, no. wait, yes. yes, he is. Yeah, I had to think. Yeah, um, he does play one of the. Who does James Marshall play? He's one of the privates. Yeah. The... Oh, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know who. Those He's been in like were. two two things: Twin Peaks and A Few Good Men. Yeah, he's one of the ones that's accused. Some of... like, like yeah, Cuba, JT Walsh, Kevin Pollock, <laughs> yeah. Demi Moore, <laughs> Jack Walsh. Nicholson, Tom Cruise. <laughs> I'm like, who the heck is? James, James Marshall. He's not, yeah. That, it you know showcases that, you who. That, that says a yeah, whole lot. That black and about... pink t-shirt that you see me wear all the time, that's uh, James Marshall. Yeah. He's everyone's least favorite character from uh, Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. But I've seen parts of A Few Good Men on television, but I've never seen the whole movie. I guess you watched it on TNT? TNT, yes, HBO, yeah, something like that. Now, A Few Good Men, amazing movie. Amazing, amazing. I mean, Rob Reiner knocked it out of the park with this one. Like, it's a Rob Reiner film. Like, how have you not watched Rob Reiner films? I've seen some Rob Reiner movies. Such as? When Harry Met Sally? There you go. Just making sure. I don't know any other ones that I can think of. <laughs> uh, no, a few good men. I, can, I recognize Rob Reiner every time he shows up. I know what he looks like. He's I a pretty good actor. Theaters He's funny. Over and over and over and over and over when I worked at Blockbuster. Oh, The Princess Bride, mind. Stand By Me. All right. Yeah, yeah I've seen all these movies. See? Except for A Few Good Men or The Bucket List. Well, both of those are it's an fun classic. movies. Yeah, Few you're not getting me to watch Bucket classic. List, but... Bucket List is fun. It's yeah. a fun movie. Is it? Yes. No, but, yeah. Mean, you throw... Stand By Me's Final Tap. Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah, and then I always forget that he's Meathead on All in the Family. I've seen every episode of All in the Family, but when you think of Rob Reiner, you don't think of... That's not the picture that shows up in your head, is him with bell-bottoms and a mustache. You think of him, like, you know, as the fat are. guy. I mean, I watched... The, I seen more episodes all in the family than I have Rob Reiner movies. There's also not nearly as many Rob Reiner movies. Anyway, a few Great. good men. Add it to the Shane list. I'll watch it before The Bodyguard. Add it to the list. Definitely add it to the list. Great movie. You Who makes a surprise appearance here and there throughout the movie. Yeah, you, you can't go wrong with it. It's a great drama. Keeps you on the edge of your seat just you th- when you think you know what the hell is going on. All of a sudden you have no clue. And you know, I've seen North. North. <laughs> see North. Haven't seen a few good men. North, few went, good men. North was like direct to cable after it came out. It was on all the time. There's a reason for that. I know. Few I'm good men is one of my favorite movies really? of all time. Yeah. When I worked at Blockbuster, it was a part of my employee favorites, and it was one of the ones that was gone constantly. I'm not gonna brag, but I kind of had the best employee favorites. Section. Like I, I took the uh, poster from my movie rental place. Yep. Oh, really? And hung it and like framed it and hung it up on my wall. And yep. It was there for. I had a Joe's apartment one. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. I'm a scumbag. <laughs> hey, that's another classic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you go that far. First MTV movie. There's talking cockroaches or singing cockroaches, dancing cockroaches. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it has a Rob, Rob Reiner tie-in because it's Jerry O'Connell, which then goes oh. back to Stand By Me. Okay, nice. Yeah, see? Good pull. It's tying it all in. Mm-hmm. In Jerry Maguire with Tom 
Cruz, who is the star of, of A Few Good Men. So, again, it just comes full circle all around. You just need to watch the damn movie. I'll do it. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat already when you hadn't watched Good Will Hunting, but... Still haven't. Now... I didn't realize that was Gus Van Zandt. That's weird. Gus Van Zandt makes weird movies. Mm-hmm. And then he went totally off track and made one that was just completely fucking phenomenal, so... All right. Okay. All right. Trust me. I'm feeding you. I'm bringing you alcohol. Watch the movies I tell you to I watch. Know, I'm, I did. We that know becomes you, her. We know you can handle the truth, and you should watch. Of course I can. Well, let's head off to Survivor Series. The logo comes on the screen as Vince McMahon welcomes us to the show. Welcome. That's not what he sounds like. And then he's joined by Bobby the Brain Heenan to go over the card of the show. Coffin match. Nightstick match. Champion versus champion. That sounds about right. <laughs> and we get our first match. High energy of the Birdman Coco Beware and the Rocket Owen Hart versus the Head Shrinkers of Fatu and Samu with Afa. With chicken wing. He's exactly. munching on a chicken wing on the he side of it the whole time. He's just like gnawing on it like an idiot. That's what that was. Okay. Uh, the... It might have been a turkey leg since it was Thanksgiving. Yeah. Did you guys pop for Coco? No. I was happy to see Coco. I popped for the person I'm supposed to pop for. Oh, and hard. Yeah, Owen I know. Hart. I know, but it was nice to see Coco. Come on. Yeah. It was nice to see Coco. Because the last time we saw him was at Survivor Series 1990, which was episode 50. It feels so much longer ago. feels like he wasn't even on that show. But I mean, we've... he almost was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Survivor Series can do that to a guy. It's also been a while since we've seen Owen Hart, as that was WrestleMania 8, episode 68. And then the last time we saw the Head Shrinkers, they were the Samoan SWAT team. Ah, Samoan chain team. That's right. And that was at Capital Combat. Your favorite show. Episode 45. The only thing I love more than RoboCop is my mom. But before we go any farther, we need to mention that Afa is a professional wrestling and WWE Hall of Famer. Go Afa, go. And we got more? Or that's just it? Okay. Those are the only two places. But under the name Afa? Um, he was Wild the Wild Samoans. Okay. The original Wild Samoans back in the 70s and early 80s. Technically, do we, or have we already said it about? Uh, you know who I love? Your mom? Yes. <laughs> Robocop. Yes. I also like Fatu. Coco Beware. Also like him. Owen Hart? Mm-hmm. I'll even give it up for Samu. I'm gonna hug too. Can't leave him out. Fought too? Mm. Yeah, we would cover that. What about, what about Alpha? I will bite the other end of his chicken wing. What hey about? Now. <laughs> <laughs> That's camaraderie. There's nothing sexual about <laughs> eating a chicken wing with somebody. Mm-hmm. It's often like when yeah, I tell people that I'm just gonna yourself. sit there and eat nachos. You tell yourself that. There's a hidden meaning behind it. All right. Okay. So. We get kind of a precursor to the Titantron on this show. Yes. As there's a screen as everyone's coming out of the locker room. I noticed it, but I didn't view I didn't even think about the Titantron. I was like, oh, it's the nineties. You put a bunch of screens next to each other. Cool. But yeah, it is Titantron light. Very light. So we see Samu using his power advantage early on, but Owen starts using his speed and agility to leapfrog a back body drop, avoid a diving headbutt and a clothesline before hitting a crossbody for a two count, Hart with multiple drop kicks and an arm drag before Coco comes in to keep the high energy 
with a pair of drop kicks of his own. Did you guys see the crowd cut of the guy that had like an all-white Newport cigarette t-shirt tucked into his pants with a belt on, of like a mustache and a hat? He looked like like every hipster kid from like a few years ago. He looked like a, he looked like a Mac DeMarco fan. It was incredible. Awesome. It's like you're ahead of your time, sir. Ware stomps away on the bare feet of the head shrinkers, hitting a double noggin knocker, but the Samoans no sell and go for a double clothesline, only for Coco to avoid. But Afa catches him in the back with his staff. The head shrinkers start working over Ware with double teams, Fatu with the clothesline, Samu with the trap hold. Ah, yeah. There's a right before that trap hold. There's a Coco chant, guys. I'm not the only one. The crowd are giving off some high energy as well. Yes, for the man, the bird man. Samu hits a clothesline before Coco with a desperation sunset flip for a two count. Fatu with a thrust kick, biting the face of where. And the head shrinkers then use a double team to keep Coco from tagging. A boy needs the tag. Everybody flap your wings for Coco. Only for Ware to avoid the avalanche splash to make the crawl to the corner for the hot tag. Owen with multiple drop kicks on the head shrinkers, a back body drop, goes up to the top rope for a cross body on Samu, makes the cover, but Fatu breaks it up. Hart then with a spinning heel kick on Fatu to knock him to the floor, comes off the ropes with a cross body on Samu, who catches him for a power slam. Then Fatu comes off the top rope with a Samoan splash for the pin and, and the win. And the greatest thing is that, is it Fatu that comes off the top? Yes. yes. Okay, Fatu comes off the top, but Samu stands underneath him, so he jumps over him, and it's a great visual. Absolutely. And then they get the pin, and I was, like, kind of surprised because I hadn't seen these guys in a minute. They had a new name, I guess, and then it's, like, Owen Hart and... Coco. And then you remember Coco Beware is a jobber and Hush. Samu can take a pin. Fatu not is taking plenty doesn't. of pins. He doesn't, and I'm not mad about it. I liked it. But the most important thing here is that you know what time it is, right? Replay time. Brain scan time. Brain scan. Yes. And Bobby draws a turkey. Yes, Owen is a turkey here. I don't he agree is. with him, but I'm down for the joke. He's a Ooh. heel. He's gonna shit on. He's gonna shit on some things that we like, but you know, we're laughing together. We then go to the locker room, and Sean Mooney's there. Why didn't I say Shane Mooney? That's just dumb, stupid. No. Next time. It's all right. You'll get good at this. And Sean tells us to please use viewer discretion before you watch the next batch. And then Nails joins Sean. The viewer discretion should be this match is gonna suck. The uh, Nails promo is too long, but it's incredible. No, it's not. Yes, it's it rocks. Horrible. It rocks. It's so silly. I mean, it's not silly. Like, he's mean, but they do, like, a voice modulation on yeah, him. I was so say, is that why it's awesome? Because his that's voice part was of it. But he goes on too long, and you he think sounds. He did a, there was a voice modulation on him? There is, yeah. totally. Absolutely. It's incredible, yeah. though. And if, if it wasn't as so long, I feel like it was intense, and it was kind of scary. I liked it. Apparently, Vince I mean, thought that his voice was too high to be taken seriously as a, a uh, bad, bad a pr- guy. A prison, a prison daddy? Guy. Yeah, so they doctored his voice instead. It's awesome. He literally says this line, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. Uh-huh, 2,478 2, days. days. That's 
a very long time. How many years is that? Nine? Like, yeah, it was like at least eight. seven to eight. Yeah, yeah. He was doing a hard time, guys. So, I mean, Bossman must have locked him up, like, right before he joined the WWF. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean maybe that was the last... he was in the NWA. <laughs> Before he was even a Cobb County? Well, when he was in the NBA, they didn't pay well, so he was Big Bubba Rogers at night, but his day shift was being a cop. Ah, gotcha. We then go to Mean Gene, who's with Bossman, and Bossman says, Nels says he's innocent, but he's wrong. I've seen his file. He should be doing a life sentence. And then we get split screen of Nels making his way to the ring while Big Bossman continues his promo. But as soon as Nels hits the ring... Bossman just takes off running. Because there's a camera to the side, and you can see that he's running for the nightstick. You don't want to run into a man with a nightstick <laughs> in his hand. So our second match, Nails versus Big Bossman in a nightstick on a pole match. Oh, yes. It's definitely on a pole. Do you need me to explain this one to you? Uh, the nightstick's duct tape to a pole. So the story behind this match was that Nails claimed Big Bossman had mistreated him while in prison. I believe it. And when Nels debuted, he stole Bossman's nightstick, which he then used to attack opponents. I think it was passed down for like three generations. That's what you do. It's like the it's like the steel glove in New Japan. Or the claw in Texas. Or a coal miner's glove. <laughs> we don't pass that one down. We just use it once and let it go. Nels is trying to climb the pole even though the match hasn't started. The big boss man rolls into the ring to pull him off the ropes. Nell starts choking boss man, punching away, runs into a knee on a charge. But boss man then delivers a big right hand to put Nails to the mat. Big boss man starts climbing only for Nails to meet him up there to press slam him off, hitting a backbreaker and applying more chokes. Big boss man fights back only to miss a splash, allowing Nails to make the climb which Bossman yanks him down again to crotch Nels on the way down. They both hit clotheslines for a double KO, but Big Bossman is the first to his feet, making his way up to grab the nightstick. <sighs> Bossman then hammers away on Nels with the stick, but he no-sells and takes the nightstick away to return the beating, until Big Bossman whips Nels to the ropes to hit the Bossman slam for the pin... And the win. Post-match. Big Boss Man nails Nails, nails some nails. more uh -huh. with the stick to force him out to the floor. We then go to the back. Mean Jeans there with Ric Flair and Razor Ramon. Ramon. And Jean says, you thought you were meeting the ultimate maniacs, but Macho Man has dropped a bombshell. Let's go to the tape. And we see Savage Love it. being interviewed on primetime wrestling. And he says, I found the perfect partner mm -hmm. to go against Flair and Ramon. Mm. And Vince is sitting there at a table with Hillbilly Jim. Yes. What's... Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Where have these guys been? Bobby Heenan and Mr. Perfect. And asks, do you mean that? And he starts pointing at Mr. Perfect. Do you mean? Do, do you mean... You mean He's going to puke. And Macho, <laughs> Macho says, I'll spell it out for you. Yes, it's Mr. R-T-H-E-N-N-I-N-G. 
All of a sudden, the brain starts yelling at Perfect. You take orders from me mm. and Flair, and uh. you are not getting into the ring at Survivor Series. Perfect just stands up and starts yelling back at Heenan. I'm getting tired of everybody making decisions for me, so Savage, I accept. And then what does Bobby Heenan do? Bobby slaps Perfect. Oh my god. That's not very smart, Brain. Oh my god. Mr. Perfect grabs Brain by the tie, yelling some more at him. And Bobby Heenan's just groveling. Saying, Flair has been walking in my shadow. Which we know is not true. Hey, I mean, in, in the WWF, mm-hmm. I mean, Flair didn't show up until Perfect couldn't wrestle anymore. He did just have so. the title, though. Yeah, what title was Perfect had? I see. The title twice? Yeah. Blame Hogan. Perfect I mean, thing we're grabs, always going to blame Hogan. <laughs> Perfect thing grabs a pitcher of water. Oh, yes. And just pours it all over Bobby. Mm, and what do we get? Perfectly. When Bobby Heenan is drenched. You get a wet weasel. Oh, wet weasel. We got a wet weasel on our hands. <laughs> we then go back to being Gene, Flair, and Ramon live. And Flair has these words for Perfect. You've been living the Flair lifestyle because I allowed it. And Razor chimes in with, two things are going to happen. We're going to prove no one's perfect, and only one man in the WWF oozes machismo. Machismo. I got to say, watching this happen on primetime wrestling back in the day was awesome. Electric? It's pretty great here. Yeah. I mean, I'm... This isn't the... Typically on primetime wrestling, they do little shocking things like, have the Undertaker and Paul Bearer come on and perform a embalming sex um, ritual. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two guys we want to see in a sex ritual. Stingrat. They had <laughs> Paul Bearer Earthquake come on at one point and cook uh, snake burgers when he was feuding with Jake oh, the Snake yeah. after quote unquote killing Damien. But this was the first time you really got to see a face turn on. Primetime wrestling, just yeah, with like a, a group of guys sitting there talking. You know, it wasn't anything that was expected. You figured perfect was just going to be the same old same, and they throw this out there. And I remember being, you know, 14, 15 years old as it's happening. And, you know, my eyebrow kind of raised, and like, what are they doing? Is this? They can't seriously. Okay, yeah, this. Well, is yeah, we're doing happening. this. <laughs> yeah, when Bobby Heenan slapped him. I popped and I watched it like a day ago. Like, oh my gosh! Yeah. All right, and we got the wet weasel. Come on, pouring the water on him while he's just groveling. So good. Bobby's so good. So we're off to our third match. Rick, the model Martel, versus Tatanka. And the story behind this match was that after these two men faced each other at WrestleMania 8. This might be my favorite angle in all of wrestling. Martel would continue to antagonize Tatanka by attacking him with his atomizer of cologne and stealing the eagle feathers that symbolize Tatanka's lumbi heritage. This is an eagle feather match, guys. That's right. I was, it was <laughs> really funny because I like, didn't catch that until the match started, and then they started to talk about it because they didn't really run a package for it because it does not need one. But uh, when Rick comes out and he's got like his boat gear on or whatever, and mm-hmm. he's got like a, a, like a feather earring or some shit, and I was like... I mean, I still know it's Rick the Model Martel, but there's something weird here. And then uh, I put it together as time went on. So a chop fest opens it up before Tatanka hits a back body drop and a pair of drop kicks on the model. So Martel rolls outside 
to regroup. The model gets back into the ring and a shoving match begins. Where Martel goes for a kick, but is caught and reversed into an atomic drop and a clothesline to send Rick back out to the floor. Vince then calls Martel a former Intercontinental Champion. Hmm. Let me check my notes here. No, Ooh. you never put the belt on, you on him, Vince. do that. He's like, what was his name again? I was surprised that they said Native American more often than they say Indian, which I think they only say once or twice, but Bobby and Vince Van say Native American. I was like, awfully progressive in 92, <laughs> especially for the WWF. Back in, the model finally gets some shots in, flapjacking Tatanka across the top rope before <sighs> applying a face lock. Vince then tells us that Sergeant Slaughter has been appointed the special rules enforcer by Jack Tunney. I didn't catch that. Did you realize that Slaughter had been in this commissioner role so long? I didn't hear him say that while I was watching the show. It didn't register, and we don't see Slaughter. They were basically talking about how rules aren't being broken as much, and that's when Vince mentions this. Because of Slaughter, huh? Yeah. Who's a notorious rule breaker, which is what Bobby says. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, not only a rule breaker... Mm -hmm. Tatanka then fights out of the face lock to vertical suplex, or as Vince likes to say, what a maneuver. I do like Vince commentary quite a bit, even though it's wild that he doesn't know what any of these things are. And it just makes you wonder that if somebody today was sitting out there and saying the stuff that he was saying then, would they still have a job? I mean, Probably not. I, I mean, don't know. Tony Schiavone. I don't know. I'm surprised Michael Cole doesn't say what a maneuver because Vince is the one telling him what, what to, to say. say. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Michael Cole's like, he probably has a little bit of trust for Michael Cole because he's just beating him into the ground to make more Michael Coles. Can I have your attention, please? Yeah. But after that vertical suplex, Martel goes right back to the face lock. All of a sudden, we see Doink the Clown walking down the aisle. Uh, they don't even call him Doink, I don't think. No, they don't. They don't, but he's like, a clown. We know, we, we, know, know, we know who it is. But I was like, all right. So is this, his, is this his debut? This is his debut. His debut. And the last time we saw Matt Bourne, who plays Doink the Clown. Doink one. Was at Clash 17, episode 61, as Big Josh. That's crazy. Big, he looks. I don't know series. why I always like think that Doink is smaller than he is because Big Josh, big guy. Are you more of a log roll or a balloon boy? I mean, I remember Doink more than I'll ever remember Big Josh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's definitely Doink to people. But as Doink's name. walking down the aisle, he has he's making balloon animals, handing them out to kids. And I stuff. thought he was going to make a balloon weasel. He makes a balloon like dachshund, weenie dog. And I was hoping that he was going to make a weasel. And I mean, he probably it. just spent like the last month in balloon animal school, so he yeah. probably just knows basic ones. I think the only cool thing about being a clown is making balloon stuff, because the rest of it sucks. Like, I think it'd be cool just to dress up and scare the shit out oh, of kids. Okay. So. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm good on all that. I was never the, the kid who was afraid of a clown, though. So. I was never afraid of them, but they're just, just ugly. They're not fun. Didn't age well. Tatanka escapes the phrase lock once again with a front suplex to the apron before slingshotting Martel back in. 
The model with a double throat thrust to regain control before hitting a neck breaker for a two count. We go back to the face lock so the cameras can focus again on Doink. And someone's yelling from the crowd, just like, get out of here. Like, even the crowd's just like, get the fuck out of here, you stupid clown. But we come back in time for Tatanka to clothesline himself free and starts working over the Martell. The Native American sidesteps a charging model for Rick to go shoulder first into the post. Post it. And Tatanka takes advantage, working on the arm with tomahawk chops and arm locks. Martel goes for a hip toss, but Tatanka counters into a backslide pin attempt for a two count, followed by an arm drag. The model finally stops the momentum by tossing the Native American to the outside and begins to work over his back, both on the outside and once they are back in the ring. Martel comes off the second rope with a double axe handle, but Tatanka catches him in the gut on the way down, starts firing up with chops. Does the war dance. Chop, stomp, chop. Hits a body slam, goes up to the top rope, and comes <sighs> off with another tomahawk chop. Tatanka then hits the end of the trail, which is a Samoan drop. Okay, I was like, I was like, end of the trail. I was curious if it had a name. For the pin and the win. Do either one of you have what Bobby Heenan said? No. Hey, how are you? Hey, oh how are my you? gosh! And post and not not new and um, the feather goes back to its rightful yes, owner. Tatanka I don't know how to say that in a fun way. Tatanka <laughs> retrieves his feathers from mm-hmm. the corner, and that was at full power. And then we see Doink pop all of the balloons that he had just given to kids, which gives Bobby a really good laugh. Yeah, the only get out of here, Doink. <laughs> Sean Mooney's in the locker room with Macho Man and Mr. Perfect. And Perfect says, me standing here has got to be killing Flair. The nature boy wants to talk shadows. He's always wanted to be like Mr. Perfect. And Razor, whatever you're oozing stinks. You. And then Savage gets a shot in at the Ultimate Warrior by calling Perfect a superior athlete. <laughs> and says... I don't trust you, Perfect, but you know Flair and Ramon better than anyone. And we're off to our fourth match. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and Razor Ramon. Ramon. Versus Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Mr. Perfect. In a dudes versus dudes match. So the story behind this match was that Savage and Ultimate Warrior had been feuding over the world title leading up to SummerSlam with Flair having both men convinced the other was working with an H. At the SummerSlam match, Macho was injured enough that the Nature Boy was able to cash in on the situation and win the title a few days later. So Savage and Warrior would team up to challenge Flair and his new protege, Razor Ramon. But Warrior would leave the WWF 10 days prior. So Macho Man would recruit Perfect to be his partner and shock the world. Here's what I don't understand. Mm -hmm. They had 10 days prior to the event. They've had 28 years since the event. And yet the graphics for the event still show Warrior and Savage on the cover instead of Mr. Perfect. Because that's part of the... Surprise on the show. Don't it's it, not a surprise because they gave it away on air before the show. 
<laughs> they already did the art. Why fix it now? Because. It's like... Mr. It's, Perfect deserved it, damn it. I mean, I, like, I agree. I agree, but cover. I'm also anti-revising uh, Star Wars. Like, But George Lucas keeps doing it. We can't stop him. Yeah, but if Yeah, they, no special edition Survivor the Series. The Ewoks don't blink. If they... That's your issue? <laughs> if for some reason they recast the role of Princess Leia, they would not It's still... a joke that I've been making for a long time, but yes. If for some reason they recast the role of Princess Leia, they would not still have Carrie Fisher's picture on the poster for it. But the match that was advertised <laughs> yeah, they is play. the original Ultimate Maniacs versus Flair and Ramon. Yeah. yeah, now they're the perfect they just, maniacs. They just the perfect savages. everything for themselves. Yeah, I mean, pretty good. I, I get the the reason for it, but then at the same time, they gave away who the partner was before the show actually happened, a week before the show actually happened, and then still, all these years later, they have it. Throw Mister Perfect up there; he deserves a damn pay per view poster. If you know, you know. Wrestling okay is. Uh, I'm okay with it. Wrestling is. Because uh, te- I mean, it's, we, it's we know shit. we know Vince at this point. Vince does stuff to sell tickets, and then oh, we'll, yeah. and then we'll change stuff. Like this year's WrestleMania, they literally, even though if you knew, you knew that Roman Reigns was not going to be at WrestleMania a week and a half before the show, mm-hmm. but they literally had a three-minute segment on the Friday before WrestleMania, the day before, that basically was like. Uh, he's not going to be there, so Braun Strowman's going to be in the match. But they put Braun Strowman on the graphics for everything. They removed technology Roman completely. Sir. Technology. They they made no mention of him whatsoever. That's that's what bothers me. Is I mean, I was a huge Ultimate Warrior fan forever, but I'm also a, a big Mr. Perfect fan, and he he deserves it. Damn it, he never got to have a pay per view poster with his picture in the main event. I agree, he deserves it. But it's still not in the main event. I know. Well, I mean, this is WWF main event, though, so it's the fourth match, so it makes sense. It's always a double main event. It's for the intermission, <laughs> so people can go home, mm-hmm. get home early. Yeah. So Savage takes the mic to introduce Mr. Perfect, giving him the last entrance with his own theme music. Yeah, and, like, this is the real rub, is that they're exactly. legitimately pushing Perfect here, which I did not expect. I thought that it would be more slapped together, but they're taking this opportunity to try to right some of the wrongs they made earlier. Mm-hmm. Ramon and Perfect get us started, and Razor tosses his toothpick, but Mr. Perfect just retaliates by spitting his gum at him. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect's using his so speed. he's all out of bubble gum, is what you're saying. <laughs> Perfect's using his speed to avoid Ramon's attacks before hitting a drop toe hold and slapping Razor on the back of the head before going to the floor... And woo, wing at flare. The uh, slap on the head, like that's how you get people into a match immediately. It's like, yeah, he's not Ultimate Warrior. Some of you guys want an Ultimate Warrior, but he goes in there and slaps him on the back of the head. Like, come on, pulls you right in. Ramon ends up dragging Mr. Perfect back into the ring, taking him to his corner. But Perfect fights out with chops. Nature Boy's in, only to run into a series of punches, a backdrop. A drop kick, multiple clotheslines, and his Irish whip for a flare flip to the apron. Only for him to run right into a Macho Man forearm. 
Is this the first flare flip in WWF? Uh, I think there was one at Survivor Series when he first showed up. I think there was one in the... That's right. He yeah. flipped out to the floor, and then everyone got disqualified. Yeah, I don't know if it was that. a traditional yeah. one. I think they had one at the Rumble where he went over but didn't actually fall to the floor. Okay. Yeah, and this one, he does, the, he does the run to the corner, but Macho Man cuts him off. Savage rolls Nate back in, comes off the top with a double axe handle, and starts slapping and peppering him with lefts and rights. Ramon jumps in, only to receive savage punches as well. Close lines to both bad guys, but Flair finally recovers to send Macho into his corner for double teams. Razor with elbow drops, double choke holds, forearms to the back, and a leverage-aided abstretch. But Savage finally hip-tosses Ramon to escape, only for the Nature Boy to come in and toss Macho to the floor. We should do like a... Um, the. Chinese, like Year of the Dragon, Year of the... What are the other ones? There's tons of them. But, you know, it's like the... I'm all for Year of the Resisting the, the Rabbit? No, no, but we do it for moves. Uh, so we've got, so like, are, are we we got like Atomic Drop. We're in the Year of the Abstretch, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Razor slams Savage headfirst on the still steps before rolling him back in, where Flair hits a knee drop. Ramon locks on a half-crab which causes Perfect to think twice about this match. Um, I'm liking Ramon, but this is the worst half-crab I've ever seen. Oh, it's super lazy. <laughs> it's like, it's so lazy, because like, he's not, it just looks like like Ric Flair's like a little kid laying on their stomach watching TV with his leg up. <laughs> it's so funny. And Mr. Perf drops down to the floor and starts walking to the back. Oh my god, don't do this. But the fans start cheering and can... To convince him to stay. Well, also, they push, like, Macho Man's getting beaten down, and they have him, like, across the ropes facing, like, facing Mr. Perfect walking away, and it's real good, and Macho's even got a little bit of blood on his forehead. It's just like, no, what the fuck, man? Don't do this perfect. Where are you going to go to? You, you just turned face. Face-ish. But as Mr. Perfect gets back on the apron, Razor sucker punches him, allowing the bad guys to continue the double team on Macho. Savage with a desperation backslide pin attempt for a two count, only for Ramon to come in with several elbow drops and a choke slam, but Perfect breaks up the pin attempt. You don't see a lot of choke slams. I popped for the choke slam. Macho's then with an inside cradle for a two count, but it is a momentary reprieve as Flair is back in to continue the attack, and Perfect is still disgusted at Savage's inability to fight back. Oh my gosh. It's Randy, come on. Nate goes up to the top, but Macho hits him there to press slam him off, allowing Savage to make the crawl to the corner for the... Hot tag! Perfect in with right hands, a hip toss, neck snap, atomic drop, and a knee lift on Ramon. Nature drop charges in, only to receive a knee lift as well, to be sent out to the floor. Mr. Perfect and Razor Ramon in the ring brawling, while Macho is out on the floor with Flair, when Nate grabs a chair and hits it over the head of Savage, <sighs> allowing Flair to roll back in and help double-team Perfect. Mr. Perfect fights back with a back-body drop and a clothesline to send the Nature Boy back out to the floor, but Razor comes from behind to toss Perfect to the ropes, where he ends up running into the ref and knocking him out to the floor. Ref bump. Ramon sets up for the Razor's edge, but Perfect uses the top rope to flip out and backdrop Razor Ramon before hitting the Perfect Plex, but the ref is still out on the floor. Oh my gosh. 
All of a sudden, a second ref, Joey Morella, jumps in the ring to make the count, but Flair is recovered enough to break up the pin. Perfect then hits a perfect plex on the Nature Boy, and the original ref, Earl Hebner, oh my gosh. rolls back in to make the count, but Razor breaks this one up. Oh, no thank you. I didn't realize how much I missed the perfect plex until it was right there in front of me on the Nature Boy. It's a fisherman suplex, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. More fisherman suplexes. Both refs are trying to restore order, but Nate just pushes them out of the way, and the bell rings. Ding, ding, ding. Hmm. Mr. Perfect and Macho Man are the winners by DQ. I know. Post-match, Flair locks on the figure four on Perfect, while Ramon grabs a chair, only for Savage to finally recover and take away the chair, guillotine Razor Ramon on the top rope. Macho then hands the chair to Mr. Perfect, who jabs the Nature Boy in the chin to break the hold, and then slams it across the back of both bad guys. We see the two winners then standing in the ring, with Perfect still holding the chair, like it's up on his shoulder, like... Oh, is yeah. He, is he going to swing it? Is he going to mm-hmm. hit Savage? Is he still mad that Savage... Yeah, Macho Man's trying to celebrate. He's like, come on, guy, we just did it. But he finally tosses it away, and the two high-five after Mr. Perfect thinks about it for a moment. He does think about it for a moment. He's like, he's like well, I put the chair down, but I still don't know <laughs> if I'm, uh, you know, about to plex your ass. We then go to the back of Mean Jeans there with Flair and Razor. And Nate promises that next time they will end Perfect's career. While Ramon implies Ramon. he killed the last Chico that crossed him. Yeah, he's like, says something. <laughs> like, I don't even know if he says killed, but he's he like, implies. he implies that he's like, he's like, yeah, like, see if you can find him or whatever. It's oh, pretty so dark. He, he pulled a Marty, huh? Mm, yes. <laughs> Razor Ramon with the toothpick at the bowling alley. Oh, Razor. Now, isn't there some backstory on him where he actually did kill somebody at one point? Was that Kevin Nash or Scott Hall? I always forget. I thought it was, I thought it was Scott, I know Hall. Were, Scott Hall, but I have no clue. I think it was. Yeah, they were both. I know they were both like bartenders, or, but I think it was Scott Hall. But yeah, there was a thing. It was self-defense, but he didn't yeah. kill a guy, and it did fuck him up and took him a long time to, yeah. you know. That's why I'm surprised. One of the reasons that he probably into uh, got into substance abuse outside of just wrestling being hard on the body and uh, substance abuse being a problem in professional wrestling, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, he did kill a man in self-defense. Yeah, that's Real big thinking. bummer. <laughs> it, just, it seemed a little too real for them to pull that in. Um, <laughs> oh, it so, hadn't yeah. been put into the, the public knowledge yet, really, but... No, probably wouldn't have had for a looking while. I don't even think now, he told people about it back then. Yeah, looking back on it now and once hearing him say that, that was the first thing I thought was, holy shit, he actually did kill somebody too. Why the hell did they put this in? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can say that again uh, years and years later when they are pouring alcohol on him. Yeah. So we're headed to our fifth match. Yokozuna. With Mr. Fuji versus Virgil. Oh my gosh. <sighs> this Yokozuna entrance is so good. So, by the way, Yokozuna is a WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. First time to see him. I know. And also, we haven't seen Mr. Fuji since Royal Rumble 92, episode 66. We see a couple of geishas greet Yoko in the ring, 
and he tosses salt for good luck. Throw your salt high. Did, did anybody love the, the Vince trying to put over Virgil as the biggest test that Yokozuna's yes. had? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I also like that like before Yoko came out, because this is not the debut of Yoko, right? It's just his it's the pay, pay-per-view debut. debut. Well, I mean, I hadn't seen him uh, yet in any of these shows we've been covering, but before he came out, they showed the geishas, and I was like, hmm, so we got some, maybe like a Japanese tag team or whatever, and then the music hits, and Yoko comes out, and I'm like, hell yes, and then uh, he enters the ring, does the salt, they give him flowers, and he just throws them out of the ring, <laughs> and he like derobes, and he's just got such a mean look on his face, like it's just, the gravitas is uh, like fitting. Yeah, I mean, he was total intimidation just looking at him. I got to see him wrestle a couple times and I mean in person granted I was all the way on the other side of the arena but I mean he was still a big ass larger than life person from that far away I could only imagine the the force and the sound effects of being ringside so the match gets going with Yokozuna tossing Virgil away and then Virgil attempts a shoulder block multiple drop kicks even an O'Connor roll which would have been really interesting to see him try and roll up Yokozuna that You're way. Strong dude there. Virgil, yeah, Yoko's uh, not quite no selling it, but he's just too big. Exactly. Granted, Virgil's a monster. He's a huge man, but Yoko is five hundred fucking pounds. Yoko then hits a reverse crescent kick and a sambo suplex. Virgil tries to fight back, only to run into a side suplex and a leg drop. Virgil floats over on a corner charge, goes for a schoolboy pin, but Yokozuna just sits down on top of him. Yoko makes that ass drop. Yoko with a reversed avalanche splash and the bonsai drop mm. for the pin and the win. We then go to the locker room. Sean Mooney's there with Perfect and Macho. And they have a good laugh at Flair and Razor. And Perfect gives them some big turkeys. Oh, this is disgusting. Before giving Heenan a little chicken. They, they're like, they're shoot raw turkeys that he's like holding up. And the grossest part is at the end, there's like one for you, one for uh, Flair, one for Ramon. And it's like these giant turkeys. turkeys. And then they pull out this like Cornish hen. And it's this like, you know, little disgusting raw chicken and he's holding it up and he just launches it like just throws it out of frame and it made me want to vomit it was disgusting it's just this like little raw chicken you just threw against a wall and someone's gonna have to pick up it's so gross and you got Afa just sitting off camera oh yeah <laughs> caught it yes he did the Bobby at the end of the Okazuna match had been making talking about Thanksgiving of course but after this match is over he says I guess it's just cranberry sauce for Virgil tomorrow because you know he got beat up so bad, and he's not going to be able to, like, chew and stuff. He'd been, he cran- he cranberry sauced a lot in that match. That was his, like, one note for that match. He's like, all right, this is my cranberry sauce match. We did mashed potatoes two matches ago, and, you know, we'll get to the, we'll get to the, the rolls later. But So we're headed off to our sixth match. The first Survivor Series match of the show, really. The Jesus. only Survivor Series <laughs> match of the yeah. show. Maybe Vince figured something out. I mean, I couldn't be happier. I legitimately could not be happier. Just letting you know now, my biggest praise for this show later on, <laughs> in a show full of, that deserves some praise, it's not Survivor Series. 
we get the Beverly Brothers of Bo and Blake with The Genius and Money, Inc. of Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and Erwin R. Scheister with Jimmy Hart versus The Natural Disasters of Earthquake and Typhoon and The Nasty Boys of Jerry Sags and Brian Nobbs in a Survivor Series elimination match. So the story behind this match was that Money, Inc., the Natural Disasters, and the Beverlies had all been feuding over the tag belts. The Nasty Boys were scheduled to have a title shot as well, but Jimmy Hart would have Money, Inc. beat up the Nasties and take the match where they would become the new champions. The Nasty Boys then would join the Disasters to get their revenge. It's funny that the like face teams here are the Natural Disasters and the Nasty Boys. It's like two things that don't sound so good on paper. It's like, oh, natural disasters are pretty scary and they kill people. And the Nasty Boys, I mean, they're just nasty. Get nasty five. Yeah, the Beverly Brothers sounds like a, sounds like a face team. They even dress like a face team and look like a face team. Unfortunately, they don't can't wrestle like a face yeah, team. Yeah, they don't have any charisma. So the rules of the match are if one member of the team is eliminated, the whole team is eliminated. The tag team. Yes, yeah. the whole the oh, whole tag team. Yeah, yes. yeah. Typhoon starts out with Blake missing a charge, so Blake struts around with Jimmy Hart making fun of Typhoon. Oh, Jimmy Hart just like cackling through the megaphone is so loud and pretty fun beginning of this match. Only to come back by shoving Blake around and then does some strutting of his own. Blake tries a sleeper but gets squashed in the corner, hip tossed, and given a backbreaker. Earthquake comes in to lock on a bear hug when Bo comes in to jump on Quake's back, but then the disasters hit multiple avalanche splashes in the corner on both Beverly's, followed by an earthquake power slam. Nobbs comes in, starts yelling at Money Inc., only for Blake to tap him on the shoulder from behind, so Brian just knocks him down with a right hand a face plant, and a clothesline. The Beverly Brothers truly bump really well in this match. So, I'll give that to them. It's like, oh, they're like... Well, who else was going to bump in this match? Yeah, but I mean, they're, they're doing it well. Like, you know, they're... they're uh, it's not... They're selling the stuff. It looks good. Their bumps are nice. Blake is able to make a tag after a low blow to Sags, but Jerry comes back with a pump handle slam on both. DiBiase distracts Sags long enough for Bo to take over the attack with a butterfly suplex. Million Dollar Man comes in with a clothesline, goes for a vertical suplex, but Jerry reverses into one of his own. IRS comes in with elbows, but misses a clothesline, goes for a hip toss, only to be reversed by Sags for multiple hip tosses of his own. Jimmy Hart then jumps up on the apron to distract Jerry, allowing Shyster to hit him from behind. Blake comes in and hits a power slam, and the Beverly start working over Sags with second rope double axe handles, a neck breaker, and a chin lock. Jerry counters that into a sleeper, but Blake tosses him off to the ropes, and the two men bump heads for a double KO. Sags is able to crawl over to the corner for the hot, hot tag. Quakes in to destroy Bo with right hands, back elbows, clotheslines the both members of Money Inc before everyone jumps into the ring to brawl. Is it a pure six brawl? It is. 
Earthquake with an atomic drop on IRS, while the Nasty Boys toss Blake and DiBiase over the ropes to the floor. Bo then tries for a crucifix on Typhoon, but it ends up in a Samoan drop. I mean... You're not going to crucifix me. I mean, like, yeah. It's, it's like... Typhoon. Yeah, I know Thanksgiving is tomorrow, but you're a little too hungry, sir. <laughs> Quake starts up the trimmers, hits the Earthquake Splash for the pin. And the Beverly Brothers are eliminated. Oh, nuts. The, the, dis- the Bump Daddies? The Bump, bump, bump Brothers? Yeah. The disasters and nasties pass Million Dollar Man around, pummeling him until Earthquake misses an avalanche splash and Money Inc. hits a double back suplex. Money Inc. then takes over, double teaming Quake in their corner with head slams into turnbuckles, chin locks, clotheslines, second rope double axe handles, face locks, until DiBiase goes for another double axe handle, only for Earthquake to get a boot up into the chin. And crawl to his corner for the hot tag. Typhoon's in hot with clotheslines to both members of Money Inc. Hits the Typhoon splash on Shyster, but DiBiase breaks up the pin. The Nassies then run in and clothesline Million Dollar Man over the top rope to the floor. Real 360. And while the ref is getting them back to their corner, Typhoon starts to run the ropes, but he is tripped up by DiBiase from the outside. IRS then drops an elbow and makes the cover for the pin. And the natural disasters are eliminated. Boo. Remember, like, not too long ago, Earthquake was, like, awesome. Pretty awesome. And then the natural disasters were, like, kind of awesome for a minute there. And it's just, like, they're just dripping down the card. Yeah. Yeah. Like a fucking candle in a blackout. Sags then runs in. And hits an O'Connor roll on Shyster for the pin and the win. And your nasty boys are the survivors. Yeah, I wasn't sure he was going to win, but I didn't think it was going to be the nasty boys. No. They're the ones with the push right now. Yeah, I also assume. They're also the ones with the, the feud with Money Inc. because yeah. of Jimmy Hart. And I, I mean, we all know that the Steiner brothers are coming through here. And who are the Steiner brothers going to work? Probably the nasty boys. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't know. It's my guess. Uh, spoiler: The Nasty Boys got their title shot taken away because of the stars showing up. Oh, okay. Well, sorry, knobs and Shaw. No, no. <laughs> sorry. Knobs and Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's that action movie that I did not see, but it relates to wrestling. The Rock's in it. This was not the worst Survivor Series match we've watched, but no, it's a Survivor not. Series. Match and it's the only Survivor Series match, but I have a huge problem with like a multi tag match, like because there's no hot tag when there's six people on either side of the ring. You just it's hard to you just can't really care that much. You still have chances and whatnot. Maybe for the last, but the tag's just not not quite hot. No, no, you only been in there four minutes. It's not a hot tag. Yeah, and I mean I don't. I'm <laughs> glad they didn't get any more time than they got. But to be honest, uh, big ups to the Beverly Brothers because I noticed them for the first time, and uh, in a good way. In a good way, yeah. I noticed them. I noticed them doing something that I admired, which was you know, bumping their ass off. We then see a shot of Tatanka, Mister Perfect, and Macho Man talking to people on the hotline. Vince then tells Bobby that he should call Perfect, 
and Heenan will tell you what, what he would call Mr. Perfect and Savage. They are a bunch of no good, low life, I'll call them oh. something. <laughs> Turkeys! Chitlins. There's lots of things he could call them. Yeah. We then go to a video package with footage from SummerSlam where Kamala would hit a top rope splash onto The Undertaker, only for the dead man to rise up to freak out the Ugandan. And we see Bear pushing a coffin down to ringside where Kamala's having a match. And once he sees it, Kamala just takes off running. It's freaked out. So good. His um, like Kamala's just facial reactions and acting is so yeah. good. Like we know he's not the greatest wrestler, but like he's his he really embodies his character. Yeah, I mean his very very well. facial expressions and just his the reaction of his body as he's moving. He, yeah, he it's really really very, good. Either he pays very close attention to those little things, or they just happen and. It, yeah. it works out for everybody, but yeah, he's he impressed me as you said, not really in his wrestling ability, but just his embodying reactions. of the character. Yeah, we then see Taker working on a special coffin just for Kamala. <gasps> I want a PDF, damn it, of the blueprint. <laughs> I need it. Why is like if WWE's shop sold that? Like, they're all their designs are typically terrible. But my God, if they just sold that print, I would purchase it. Well, I'm gonna send out a message to my good friend Triple H to uh, oh, okay. find us the blueprints. Uh huh. Email yeah. them. Yeah. Or sure. uh, tweet them. This new yeah, of, of like <laughs> calling out people that probably don't listen to podcasts, hey, let alone a They may not podcast. listen now, but sometime soon, somebody is gonna tell them that. Oh, of course they are. This jackass that called himself a Samoan SWAT team is mm-hmm. calling you out on a podcast. I yeah. mean, if, if Dave Grohl can have a drum off with a 10-year-old girl, then I can get Zach Braff or Triple H or Jenna Fisher to give us a shout-out on, that's on a, Twitter. Oh, a lofty comparison, but <laughs> I, I still love you. And Undertaker says, you will not survive Survivor Series, Kamala. Rest in, in peace. peace. For real, though. Yeah, he's going to put him in a goddamn a gosh darn coffin. So we go to our seventh match, Kamala with Kim Chi and Harvey Whippleman. That was going to be my other name. I was like, is, am I going to be Kim Chi Mike? And then I was like, no, I'm a Moonbelly Mike. Kim Chi Mike, Kim like Mike was the first. The office. <laughs> <laughs> Kim Chi Mike was my first, first thought, but second thought, much better. Date Mike, Prison Mike, Kim Chi Mike. Versus The Undertaker with Paul Bearer in a coffin match. First coffin match, right? It is. The yeah, first it's a big deal. And we see Paul Bearer roll out the biggest coffin for the I biggest have boy ever seen. Mm-hmm. The thing is huge. He's got the whole moon on his belly. He's got, it's so, going to take a big coffin. <laughs> so the rules of this match are: you have to make a pin or submission, and then place your opponent in the coffin and nail the door shut. Yeah, I thought it. that that part was weird. I didn't expect a pin. I mean, it changes over time. Yes, I'm aware of that. But, That's why I was kind of surprised. But they probably also didn't think they were going to do this, like, multiple times. times. (laughs) As they get to the ringside, Taker takes the lid of the coffin off, and Kamala starts to freak out again. (sighs) And the inside of the coffin is, like, crushed purple velvet. It's so pretty. It's nice. But Kim Chi calms Kamala down, and the Ugandan starts slapping his belly. 
that then rolls to the outside. <laughs> oh, look at disapproval. I was like, that's a weak. <laughs> Sorry, I did was not good. The bin then rolls to the outside to run away from the dead man, but the Undertaker just stalks after him. Kamala tries to take advantage once he is back in the ring, but Taker no-sells everything and fires away with right hands. Also, there's a moon on the casket. They even put Kamala's well, stuff his on Well, all of his tattoos that's on yeah, his they put them on the, the, Yeah, they put on the coffin, which is a, such a nice touch. And we see a whole group of, like, ten people dressed as the Undertaker with a giant Undertaker sign in the crowd. And I was like, damn. Yes. Damn, the Undertaker's over here in 1992. Yep. Taker goes up for old school, followed by slamming his head into a turnbuckle and a short arm clothesline. Undertaker telegraphs a back body drop so the Ugandan gets some shots in before clotheslining out to the floor, where the dead man begins to choke Kim Chi and Hardy. It's the 360, but Taker lands on his feet. You know, in, take, does, take, in Taker style. Until Kamala makes it to the floor to hit him from behind and toss him into the steel steps. The Ugandan hits Taker over the head with Kim Chi's helmet, a double throat thrust, grabs a chair and whacks Undertaker across the back before rolling him back in. The dead man is body slammed, but he no-sells it. So Kamala body slams him again with the same result. He's got the urn cam. A third body slam, and Taker stays down. So the Ugandan then hits multiple splashes. Paul Bearer then jumps up on the apron, but Kim Chi trips him up, sending the urn into the ring. And this is great. Kamala then is tossed the urn. He like picks it up, but he's afraid of it. Which like Kimchi's trying to instruct him to hit him with it, <laughs> but he's like just like freaked out by the whole thing. He's like, I don't want this fucking thing. Right, there's dead people in there. Yeah. Every time he t- it's like acting like it's a hot potato. Like, he's, yeah, he's just like, this is evil. Like, what the fuck? Get this away from me. So Undertaker picks up the urn and clobbers Kamala oh, yeah. over the head with it and makes the cover for the pin. Taker then rolls the Ugandan into the coffin, grabs a hammer with R.I.P. Oh my gosh, yeah. When, nice touch. when Paul Bear pulls out the hammer, I'm like, oh, this is a fucking sledgehammer. And then you get the shot and it's got the R.I.P. on the handle. I was just like, oh my god. And he you nails, guys are nailing it here. Nails the door shut for the win. It's funny, the nails, like he puts them in there and it's already obviously like been drilled. Yeah. So he like, after like the, the second hit of the nail just goes... Straight in. Yeah. It's very like, like how he cartoon. was hitting it so hard in some places that oh, it was just it, breaking the edge away. Yeah, it was like breaking the wood because he's <laughs> just smashing it because it's probably, you know, it's not a, it's more than balsa wood, but it's not like, you know, some hard oak or whatever. This would be Kamala's last pay per view appearance. Yeah, I mean, Kamala had been gotten over uh, in territories and stuff before all of this, so they kind of just brought him in because they knew. Like, he could do this well. Yeah. Like, he came in and did his thing. and you know. he, he actually sticks around. He was actually supposed to have a match at the next WrestleMania, but it got cut for time constraints. Mm. So he does stick around for a little bit longer, but we just will never see him again. Yeah. In, the, in, in, yeah, in the kayfabe of the show. Yeah. The, uh, what's the deal with Kim Chi's Rorschach mask? It's a beekeeper mask. It's, yeah, but it looks, it's got like the black on it. So it has more of a Rorschach vibe. Right? Mm, it's got like, no. it's not just straight white. Yeah, it's just straight white with. Is it? 
Maybe some black around the eyes. But... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen, I guess that's more old school beekeeper. Oh, beekeeper. Kimchi, beekeeper, handler for like a like African Tarzan. What is going on here? Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> Either way, big love, big <laughs> totally love to Kamala. Yeah, yeah. Kimchi, yes. We then go to the locker room. The fermented Sh- cabbage of Africa. Sean Mooney's there with Sean Michaels and lets us know that Sensational Sherry is not there because she's still recovering from injuries caused by Marty Janetti. Mm. He yes. hit her with a mirror. And you know that mirror that she always carried out today? Yeah. Marty hit her with it. I didn't show it. Nope. No. But... Not here. We might see it soon. Yeah. Okay. We'll see it eventually, I'm sure. HBK then goes on to say he's the better man because he beat the bulldog who beat Bret Hart. I mean, you know, because one plus one equals two. We then go to Mean Gene with Bret Hart. And Mean Gene says, Bret, you've been a fighting champion facing many opponents over such a short period of time, not saying no to anyone. And Hart responds with, I've been surviving eight years, fighting my way to the top, and I give thanks to be here. and proud of it. I have tons of respect for you, Sean, but tonight we will find out who will survive as the champ. And I was like, is this the only time you had respect for Sean? Mm, yeah, and even then, like, the promo's, like, solid enough where you're like, oh, he's just like, he does the whole, like, I've been here for eight and a half years, and I've clawed my way to, like to the top, and uh, it kind of feels like he's digging a bit, you know. In hindsight, of course, at the time you wouldn't have thought twice about it. You'd just been like, "Hey, yeah, like this is this is a good promo." We don't always get good promos. No. So we got our eighth match: Shawn Michaels versus Brett, the Sexy Hitman Hart. Look at that—a championship match in the main event for the WWF Championship. It's a uh, double champion except for it's like the IC title's not, not on, the line. on the line yeah but Sean he's got the opportunity to be to belt Mike setting the stage here we got Survivor Series Sean we got Sean versus Brett we got Earl Hebner as a ref sounds like a history making event is about to happen I mean How you know about that or maybe we'll wait a few more years but you catch my drift yeah if this sucks I quit yeah screw this Back and forth to start with no one gaining an advantage as each man are using the hair, chin locks, and other holds to wear down their opponent. And Vince entertains us all by making fun of the brain while this is all going on. Brett gets the first major shot in, using his momentum to send Sean out to the floor and then slingshotting him back into the ring from the apron before reapplying an armbar. The hitman floats over on a back body drop attempt, going for an O'Connor roll. But Michaels holds onto the ropes, but Hart then goes for a flying crossbody for a two count, and the kickout ends up sending Brett out to the floor. When Hitman's coming back into the ring, he does so with a sunset flip for a two, followed by an arm drag. And then Bobby mentions their conditioning, which completely sets Vince up for an Ico Pro ad. Oh, uh, what, yeah, what does he say exactly? But he's like, it's like, get big, Ico Pro. <laughs> it's just like something like, it just sounds like uh, like a soundboard that he like pressed a soundboard button yeah. like it's really bad it's funny intense conditioning program or something like that yeah i can't remember Ica pro Hart goes for a hip toss hbk flips through missing a clothesline 
only for Brett to hit the clothesline. More arm bars until Sean tosses him off and catches him, falling backwards to guillotine the hitman across the top rope. Oh, the old flapjack RBS. Rubber band slam. Hart blocks a head slam into the turnbuckle and then charges in, only for Michaels to sidestep, sending Brett shoulder first into the post. Posted. HBK starts working over the hitman, hitting a DDT, sending him hard, chest first, into a turnbuckle. Does Brett take the, like, chest first into the buckle? Is Brett the best at just doing that the nastiest? Brett and Owen both. Yeah. yeah. Them it's, too. It's a trade-off. It's just so goddamn good because it, it hurts. You can, like, see it move, and it's just like, all right, well, there's nobody here to, like, fuck this up but me. So it's like, oh, like, trust yourself, and you can't Absolutely. get mad at anybody if you hurt yourself doing yeah, it. there's... Time and time again where, I mean, Brett went running for that turnbuckle and smashed into it, and I was just yeah. waiting for him to just, like, shatter through it. Yeah. He's like, oh, <laughs> Ric Flair is just flipping over this thing. <laughs> like, I'm going to fucking... I'm gonna, Go right into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going to eat it like uh, Thanksgiving Sometimes dinner. the best way around something is through it. That's what he did. I mean, you know, that sounds like a good wrestling promo. Hart begins to fire up, only to receive a drop kick and a backbreaker from Sean, and goes back to a headlock. Brett hits a swing neckbreaker, only for Michaels to stop the momentum with a throat gouge. The hitman comes back with a bulldog, goes for a second rope elbow drop, but HBK moves and hits a flying back elbow for a two count. We get more holds, which Hart reverses into a cradle for a near fall. Brett then floats over a charge into the corner before hitting a back suplex on Sean. This is like too much of a wrestling match for a WWF crowd. I mean, I'm loving it. Oh, no, I am too, but I'm just saying, like, this is really good, and the crowd is just, like, kind of, like, meandering. That's like, they're watching, but there's you can tell there's people that don't care, there's people that do, but, like, it's one of those things, like, come on, guys, and then I'm like, oh, well, they just saw Taker put Moonbelly in a casket, yeah. and, like, this is a wrestling match. Most of them came here... To see, you know, nails get hit with a nightstick. So I'm wondering Not most people, of them, but... I'm wondering how many people were sitting there wondering or waiting for Marty to run out or... Oh, yeah. Else. That's also it's also a good point. There is a moment where you can see people kind of, like, looking over, which we, happens in almost every big wrestling yeah. match. Yeah. But, I mean, it's the second time the championship was held, right? When it's Survivor Series... Like, a, the second time the World Championship match? Oh, yeah. Okay. Last last year's yeah, last year Survivor Series where Undertaker won. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess they had a, a wonky ending on that one, so this one would have to be a... Also, Brett is a new champion that won off television. Yeah. yeah. Michaels comes back with a Thez press. But this is what should get him into it, but nobody there's seen a Thez press and getting excited, unfortunately. Only for the hitman to catch him, and then catapulting him into the ring post. Posted. Hart gets HBK into the corner horizontally, allowing Brett to kick him, causing Sean to crotch himself before hitting a back body drop for a two count. The hitman turns it on with a Russian leg sweep, backbreaker, second rope elbow drop for a near fall. Hart then places Michaels on a top rope, hitting a superplex. Oh my gosh. Remember how Sean won the belt? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. But both men are down. Until Brett finally rolls over on top for a two count. Too worn out to get on that early cover, man. The superplex. 
damn it, if you don't sell the superplex, then is it even wrestling? The hitman then applies a sleeper, but HBK backs Hart into the corner, sandwiching the ref. But he recovers quickly enough to see Brett go for an atomic drop, only for Sean to flip over and go for an O'Connor roll. But the hitman reverses that to go for one of his own. So Michaels then drops down, sending Hart out to the floor. HBK then runs Brett's back into a ring post, hits a body slam before bringing them back into the ring. Sean then tosses the hitman back first into the turnbuckle before hitting a back body drop for a two count. Michaels is getting a little dis... Annoyed. Annoyed. With the ref. Starts arguing, allowing Hart to roll up HBK with a near fall. Brett then walks into a super kick. Oh my gosh. And then Sean hits a teardrop suplex for the pin. And no! Hitman kicks out. So close. Hart punches Michael so hard it knocks him back into the ropes, tying him up. But he's able to free himself just in time to avoid Brett's flying crossbody. Oh my gosh. And Brett, it's a nasty like little rope hang that he gets. HPK then goes up to the second rope, coming off with a drop kick. But the hitman catches his legs, yes. locking on the sharpshooter yes. for the submission <sighs> and the win. Hell yeah. Post-match, Santa Claus comes to the ring, the fuck? hugs Hart, <laughs> and snow begins to fall. Boo. As Kringle places a Christmas hat Boo. on Brett's head. He puts head. the hat and you know Brett's just like, what the fuck is this? And also Brett's holding a check, which I thought was weird. I have no clue what that is. Yeah, he's got like, it's just a normal sized Did check. Did Santa hand that to That's you? what I was thinking. It's like, oh, you I won. Assume. Maybe he was yeah. extra nice. So he you won the turkey. Like, the only good thing. Or maybe, or maybe Santa was like, here, Brett, read this. So you know that I'm not really, a, I'm not a fan. I'm really here for the act. <laughs> the, uh, Don't beat me up, please. The, You've been served. Yeah, like, you know, that's all Vince because it's just stupid. And it's like, kind of takes away from the moment. I will I mean, s- I know what he's going for. Yeah. Because, you know, the Macy's Day Parade, the last thing you see is Santa mm. Claus and it's now Christmas time. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're going for I here. know, I just don't care. It's super lame. Uh, the only good thing that happened... The only good thing about the snow is that at the end there's a shot and there's a dad and he's got like a little kid and he's holding up in the air and the kid's kid, got like, the, holding the, and the program kid, over his head. Yeah, no, it's a it's a like a belt, like a foam belt uh. over his head and it's pretty cute. But like that's not enough of an excuse. No. That's just like that's an accident. You know, show me a graphic or something like that at the end. You know, happy holidays with snow mm. falling, but you don't need to do this shit at the end of a match. Yeah, it's pretty silly. It's a little hokey. But one thing that I'd like to talk about in this match that's a small thing, because there's a lot of holds in this match, but that's because it's a wrestling match and not a fucking joke. Shawn Michaels, you know the dreaded reverse chin lock? Mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels does, like, it's not even, or is it as, like, is it considered a reverse chin lock? But his chin lock is him laying on the mat on the side, and the That's way a side headlock. yeah, the side that his side headlock is looks incredible, and the way that he puts it on and you know sells him cranking it in and stuff like that looks fucking great and it's compelling. It's one of the reasons he's Shawn Michaels, but it's like oh, like most guys just do your reverse 
chin lock, which is really hard to make look good. And this thing just looks looks good every time. Every and I mean, I've seen a lot of people do it bad, but it's like him doing it is like, how are you guys fucking this up? Like, how are you how are you guys fucking up side Matt headlocks? Because he's just doing it so effortlessly. It's great. And I feel like that uh, it is one of the smaller things to point out, but it was really big for me in this match. Interesting. But Vince says his goodbyes. Ho, ho, ho. He does that. And then Bobby. Does he really? Yeah. I don't remember it. And then Bobby <laughs> woos. Yeah. So I'm I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Survivor Series 1992? I'm so glad it's not Survivor Series. <laughs> it's just a pay-per-view. That's Are you going Willy Wonka with that? Or? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't sing. I don't know what song that was. What song was it? I don't know. Oh, I'm tone deaf. It was your own little melody. Well, I think it was Merry Little Christmas is what I was trying to do. I think. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Mm. No clue at all. You can steal that melody. Okay. <laughs> How about you, Shane? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the the Survivor Series from my childhood, obviously. Thank God. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I understand you. You really did put it into perspective, perspective for me. Whenever you like talked about uh, Survivor Series, I was like, okay, I I get it. But, but being this far removed from the entire from it, reason why I like Royal Rumble. But for some reason, I don't like Survivor Series. Yeah. Survivor Royal Rumble Series has a, a very roller coaster of a of a, an experience. Because I mean, WrestleMania they throw all their energy into that. Royal Rumble kicks off the new year, so they have to make that one exciting because it's technically on the road to WrestleMania. SummerSlam is the you know the hottest event of the summer. So then you're left with one before the holidays that they just kind of dump stuff into and hope people watches. This one. It had some good moments, had some, eh, not my favorite, not my least favorite, uh, but I did love the the fact that it was the the kickoff for HBK versus the Hitman that will span the next seven, eight years. Five years. Five years, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I, I don't feel like the show itself is that great. No. At, at like a complete thing but the newness mm-hmm. that was felt yes. in watching it kept me entertained yep. um, with multiple debuts and you know Yokozuna even perfect even is like during, a re-debut almost I mean perfect is basically a re-debut because we haven't seen him since yeah almost mm-hmm. what Wrestlemania 7 Razor Ramon we have the Something best like and the, we've never seen him as a yeah, face so. exactly the best Razor um, Ramon's first match the best deb- debut of all time Doink the Clown Santa Claus no Doink oh, the Clown Santa yeah, Claus well, I, I mentioned Doink yeah oh. um, we get sorry to see, I blocked it out because I'm a liar <laughs> um, we get to see a new match type in the coffin match mm-hmm. yeah and we'll see plenty of those over time but we saw this few, is the first one a few new match types and we see the beginning of a rivalry that we'll see plenty of over time that are tremendous matches. And I mean, this is if this is the first one of many, many matches. Yeah. Then they have a good baseline. Yes. To oh, yes. Start definitely. Out. I mean, this match, there wasn't. This match would have murdered in Japan. Yeah, there wasn't much that I could say. I, I wish I it would have. Like. I wish the match would have been a little bit quicker. 
I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. yeah. Could, you could cut, you could cut five because this went like a full thirty. I think it was twenty six. Okay. Yeah, it was close. Yeah. yeah. Well, it could have been twenty two. Yeah, I mean, you could have cut, cut down on the some of the. I mean, I know you were liking the side headlocks, but I yeah, but there was like they it kept, did... kept going back to it a little bit more than they probably needed to. If they were going to do it that much, then they needed a couple bigger high spots. Which I'm just sure was because Sean's technically still kind of green as a singles wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. And so Brett's guiding him through the match mm-hmm. and everything. And so they kept going to those to, you know, make sure that they're I mean, on the same Brett's, page. He, he's, he's a wrestler. Yeah. He's not going out there to, you know, put a man in a coffin. He's not doing any anything we anything weird or lame. It's like, oh, this is a wrestling match. Like he was taught by old wrestlers and he tries to seems like he does his best to keep true to that and there's a reason that like, you yeah, know absolutely. he's a reason he's Bret Hart. Good, where where's the smart marks at? Alright, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So best moments of the show. When they overdub Nail's voice with the <laughs> sound effect. I really didn't realize that they had done oh, that. Oh, it's so, so obvious you're going to love it. Yeah. You've got to go back and watch. just Because like, the promo is really good, I think. It's just too long. But I think that it is a good promo yeah, for that match that I shouldn't have cared about. But I ended up having a fun time with that match, even though on paper it just yeah looks like a coffee stain in my mind. <laughs> now, I remember reading about them altering his voice but I I guess growing up I didn't realize it because all of these wrestlers have so many unique twists to their voice where a lot of times it sounds like they just need to stop, cough, and clear their throat and I kind of thought that was the, the case with, with Niels where he was just that <laughs> Brian Pillman mixed with Andre the Giant where you were just waiting for him to cough something up and you know be able to speak a little a little clearer but the twisting or altering of his voice was unique for the time it, that uh, that it was. Uh, best moments for me, I mean, I I love me the the Breton and Sean match. I love seeing the the return of Mr. Perfect. The debut match for us of Yokozuna. Yeah. I mean, literally one of my favorite moments. Because I just I when Yokozuna throws the flowers away. No, oh, I, um, I mean, which is great too. But no, actually, when Virgil goes for the O'Connor roll, oh I just, my god, I laughed. It's so funny, so hard. I was just like, no, you're even you're if you not, wanted to, you giant, you giant beefy that. boy. Yeah, you're just gonna get set on. Uh huh. So that was one of my favorite moments, I, and I completely agree. The final match, especially the last like six minutes. I mean, basically, once Michaels hits that Fez press, it kicks that match kicks into high gear at that point. Yeah, and it's it's great, and I love the catching of the drop kick and turning oh. it into the sharpshooter. Yeah, that's beautiful. I was like, that is great. One thing, also, this is probably the longest heavyweight championship bout we've match in WWF that we've watched. It's twenty six minutes. There is no. Like, there's no way there's been a longer uh, WWF match we've wonder, watched. I'm trying to remember if they've Warrior, all... Warrior Macho was a little bit longer really? at SummerSlam. Oh, that match was fucking awesome. But it's not It's not this. Yeah. It's, no. it's, it's what, you know, but it's one mean, of those things that not everybody can... Because there's all, all the yeah, shenanigans and yeah. stuff. But shenanigans done well, but shenanigans nonetheless. I will say, if this show 
was a movie. Kamala deserves at least a nomination for Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> right? I agree. He was very, very effective in his oh, yeah. silent, scared stance. Mm-hmm. So good. Yes. But yeah, this show is very... Warrior and Savage went 28 minutes. Oh my gosh, all right. But if you subtract the, the nonsense with Perfect and Flair, then it probably hit about yeah 24-ish. I mean, Bulldog and Brett went 25-40, which is literally 20 seconds less than this match. Yeah, yeah. That was IC, but it was like, you know... It was still a main event. It still was main event, but I'm just... Yeah, I was just thinking of like, meet. you know, Hogan matches are all like eight minutes yeah. And like five of its posing. Obviously, the man who beat the guy who beat Bret Hart has to go a little, a little bit longer. A little bit longer. Yeah. How about disappointing? That there was a Survivor Series match on it, but it doesn't outweigh the fact that it wasn't a Survivor Series show. So I'm ecstatic. Yeah. And on the plus side of that Survivor Series match, it wasn't the typical Survivor Series tag team match that we've seen before, where it was four teams on each side. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, I mean, technically, it was basically it was basically two on two. Yeah. Yeah, and it was not that bad. It's just that, like, I don't care. You're not do- you're not building anybody, really. I mean, they were building the Nasty Boys. Cool. Just to bring them back down. I mean, they leave before they come back down. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking through, trying to find the show the is like so like like I so middle loved, of the road. I would have loved for more Owen Hart moments. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, honestly, I don't think he really got to shine I would that say match at all. Another surprising thing was I expected I didn't expect the Head Trinkers to win, because you know I just didn't. Because well, you just don't know WWF. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I. Sometimes I wish I did. The new team always wins. Sometimes I wish I. Well, I mean they're not a new team. Though. Yeah, they are. I know they are, but they're not. They weren't to me. I'm like, oh, new name. So I didn't even think about them as a new team. They're a new team. He's still fat too. Still Samu. Razor Ramon's not the diamond stud. Yeah, but I guess has he performed as I guess they haven't he hasn't performed as Fatu in the WWF, has he? This is his first real time in the WWF. He yeah. was WCW before. Yeah, because yeah, we saw him in WCW. AWA and WCW. But it's hard to tell because I feel like we see we saw them like on every show for like a I mean, essentially year almost. Head shrinkers are the wild Samoans two point Yeah, yeah. I mean they should have just kept the Samoan SWAT team name. Yeah. Yeah. This well, one's just, a little just like oh, okay. Changed it to Wild Samoans with a Z or something like that. <laughs> if the Nasty Boys Wild don't a, get a Z, then a they y. don't get it. Then the Head Trinkers don't get a Z. <laughs> Best performer of the night? I mean, we know it's Sean and Brett. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's Sean, Sean and Brett. Brett with... Uh, Kamala in third yeah, place. Yeah, I was going to say... Uh, yeah, Kamala gets the... Like I said, mention. he's not best like wrestler, but like I said. No. Best supporting actor. Best, that's why it's performer. Yes, Exactly. Good That's on you. I said best. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm best sorry. I, I know you do. Wrestler. I know you do. That's why we give it to Heenan sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Minus Doink, I was surprised that I liked Tatanka uh, and the Rick Martel match. I thought it was good. Except for getting I, in the I way know, to force I, That match, I know why they kept going to the face locks and the chin locks. Because it was, it was yeah, there was an cause, excuse. Because Doink is there. Yeah, it would have been, uh, you know. But it should have been a seven minute match yeah. with them just doing their thing. Yeah, I agree. But I gave it, I viewed it as that. It's like you literally could have had Doink come out and doing balloon animals in between a match, like while like Vince and Bobby are talking and you see them, you see him giving them out and then all of a sudden they like finish and the next match is about to start and all of a sudden he starts running around just popping all the balloons 
and then he runs off. Yeah. That would have worked just as just as effectively. Yeah. And it wouldn't have taken away from a match. It wouldn't have been annoying because I was enjoying the match and then you fucked it up for me. Yeah. Anything surprising? I mean, we got all those debuts. We got three big debuts on this show. I mean, I guess four if you want to count the head shrinkers, but I mean, yeah, we've seen them before. But I mean, like I said, surprising, exciting. The reason the show gets the big old thumbs up, it's not Survivor Series. It's not traditional Survivor so Series. That was what surprised you, is that it wasn't an actual Survivor Series. Yeah, when I realized that, I was just it was like a weight lifted, a fog. Like cleared from my eyes and my brain, and like it was like, oh, I I have the option to enjoy this now. I was surprised that I mean, yeah, they had the tag team elimination match, but I was surprised they didn't have at least one singles for nostalgia purposes. What else? The show is just so like solid. It's just like, oh, it's good. It's fine. It's good. But then there's highs. I mean, there's some I mean, really good highs. Technically, my thumb would be kind of. Pointed downish. If it wasn't for the last, if it wasn't for the last two matches. I mean, I don't, I don't love the final two matches. I like, yeah, I, like I said, I, I feel like Sean and Brett were a little on the slow side. Yes, definitely. I, I feel like if it had been, if they picked up the pace a little bit quicker, I would have loved the match. But I didn't. I didn't love the match. I thought it was a very good match. Yeah, I expected to like it a little bit more than I did, but I couldn't deny that it was better than most so matches. I, mean, I think that's probably most surprising for me. Is that, is that I, you? Yeah, you. You thought I, I thought I was gonna love the match. Yeah, and I was just kind of like, okay, I'm with you there. I, I get. I like a lot of it. Yeah, but I didn't love it. It's kind of like the second brood. Um, Chono match where you're like, yeah. I should love this, and I'm like, well, it's good. Well, that's booking. They fuck that up. Yeah, but I mean, it's like it's still a similar vibe in in where it's like, oh, like I should love this, but I should like this more. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. After winning the belt. At the Great American Bash, Dusty Rhodes would meet Ric Flair in a rematch two weeks later on August 9, 1986 in St. Louis, Missouri. Flair would attack the leg, wearing it down until the Nature Boy could apply the figure four in the center of the ring. The American Dream would turn it over momentarily, but Nature would roll it back, and Dusty was too tired to continue, leaving his shoulders on the mat for a three count. That's a lot of beef to move around. Ric Flair would become a five-time world champion with the win and would hold the title for over a year until a man with hands of stone would face him. Next week, Starcade 1992. Are you ready for that Lethal Lottery Battle Bowl 2? I don't know what to think. <laughs> I really don't. I want... Starcade to be good all the time. I know we've got, but this will be the tenth one. How many of them have actually been good? True. Not enough of them. It's a problem. If my favorite of like, can you? Yeah, I'm trying to think of the good, good one. Eighty-five. Yeah, the early, the earlier ones. Bash at the Beach '92 though. Great American Bash '86. 
Yeah, that's it's good stuff. It's like it's just there's not they don't have a uh, a solid like pay per view like legacy for like a, a a name attached to a show. Yeah, I mean Starcade's where they should, but yes, that's why I always want it to be like, and then it's I'm fucking they run too many gimmicks on it and just ruin it. Yeah, bit. Lethal Lottery, the Battle Bowl. The Battle Bowl is the Lethal Lottery, right? It's got two names, right? Starcade '92 Battle Bowl, and that's the. But the Lethal Lottery tag matches are how you get into the to Battle Bowl. Yeah, it's too much already. Totally. Because you keep saying Lethal Lottery, and I'm calling it Battle Bowl, and I'm like, am I wrong? I think <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the not, same it's thing. It's not actually even the tagline for the show. So. Yeah. You know what it is? Battle balls. The toilet bowl. The toilet bowl. Yes. Music from this week's show is the theme from Survivor Series and Heartbeat by Jimmy Hart and J.J. McGuire. And, fuck, what was the Christmas song I was trying to sing earlier? I have no clue. You didn't even know. Yeah. A merry little Christmas. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Do it for Santa. Most disappointing. <laughs> Why the fuck was Santa Claus? <laughs> oh, shit. I was, like really threw me off. Because nothing about the show, I don't Screamed know. Screamed Christmas at you? Also, it's like, yeah, we're not that far away from Thanksgiving, like, in real life at the moment, but still, it's weird. It's like watching Home for the Holidays in July. Like, what's your problem? <laughs> Leave Holly Hunter alone. It's not time for her to show up right now. I'm so happy you said that. <laughs> That's my absolute <laughs> favorite holiday movie of hey, all time. It's very good. It is. If you you like... know what's not surprising, though? <laughs> what's not surprising? Going back to Georgia. That's not surprising at all. <laughs> you like this episode or any of our other ones, please rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. You can always email us any questions, comments, concerns, recipes. We're still looking for some of those. If you know what Christmas song I was singing. There are. <laughs> some of my celebrity chef friends out there that are down in the South. Oh my God. Shoot us some recipes. I would greatly appreciate it. Emerald, I know you're listening. Paul Prudhomme, he's dead, right? Michael Simon, I know you're you're up I'm north, sure. but I'll, I'll still take some food. The uh, ghost of Julia Stiles. I'd say Paula Deen, but somewhere. I don't know if if she's. You don't want that smoke yet. You don't want that smoke. Plus, I'm not. I mean, I like butter, but yeah. You can send the shows at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com Or you can always find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoryX That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X We'll talk to you next week Laters!